I've got Trevor here on my podcast and today I would like to speak to Trevor about his journey to become a modern shamanic practitioner. Hello Trevor, thank you for joining me. Hi Julie, nice to be here. How are you today? Yes, very well, thank you. So I've got a question regarding your shamanic journey which I want to share with my listeners um, today because a lot of people have been asking how can you become a shaman, can everybody become a shaman, what is the difference between a shaman and a shamanic practitioner and I just felt that you were the right person to talk to about these things. Well for sure I think there is a a difference between a shaman and a shamanic practitioner. Um, Shaman traditionally are, are, are born into, into that path and come from indigenous and traditional villages and societies where shamanism has been practiced for, for, for many, many years, you know, thousands of years. Um, but of course the world has opened up now and everybody, um, wherever you're from, is looking for, for answers and paths, um, certainly along the, the spiritual lines. And so you can quite easily come across courses and, and go on retreats and, and go on vacations where, where you, you're studying or learning shamanism to a degree. Um, there's, there's always arguments with even within the shamanic communities about how um, uh, traditional it is or how applicable and what is classed as shamanism or, or a, a different form of spirituality. Um, but for me, um, I call myself a, a, yeah, a contemporary shamanic practitioner. Um, I've studied some uh, shamanic uh, methodologies uh, and my training was based on uh, some of the teachings from the Americas. Uh, but I don't class myself a shaman because I think that's, um, that really is something that's bestowed upon you by your community, by the tribe. Okay, so that's very interesting. So you can already see that Trevor has a lot of studied into his practice. He also traveled all around the world that you told me about, and he had a lot of interesting experience. So with what you said so far, I can hear that you make, it's very important for you to make a difference between the terminology of people calling themselves a shaman and then other people maybe who are a little bit more modern, they say, I'm a modern shamanic practitioner. So how do you, how do you draw the line? If someone's asking you, who are you? How would you describe who you are in this kind of context? What makes you a modern shamanic practitioner? And what's the difference between what you do and what does a traditional shaman do? I think really it's, it was kind of a choice because I... I went looking for this path and came across it. Um, I, I've sort of uh, become a contemporary shamanic practitioner, whereas shaman are often chosen not by ch their own choice. It, it's, it's part of a calling or, or something that they've almost been born into. Um, whereas I've come to this, you know, when I was probably in my mid forties. So I, I I don't class myself as a shaman. I'm just um, um, working with shamanic knowledge to a degree and shamanic wisdom and indigenous wisdom. And also I've developed my own methods. And so 
which are perhaps away from the traditional and core shamanic um, perspectives. And so I think it's, for me to call myself a shaman, would be doing those that have gone through um, some of the arduous processes uh, of becoming a shaman, uh, doing them a, a disservice. So it's a, a form of respect, I hear, that you say the people that are born into that kind of lineage or they're destined from very early age on, there's no other question that they're going to choose another profession. They are meant to be a shaman, a medicine man or whatsoever. And you said you obviously had kind of a normal life and then in mid-40s you discovered there was maybe more. How did you come to this path? Was there something like one day you woke up and you thought, oh, I want to become a shamanic practitioner or I often hear that people are going through awakenings or spiritual awakenings, they're going through illnesses that they changed their life forever. So how was it with you exactly that you one day decided this is the path that I want to, to choose or want to become a modern shamanic practitioner? Yeah, for, for sure. My, my background is, well, I call it normal or relatively normal. I, was, yeah, I grew up in a, a decent family in, in Essex. Uh, I went to school, I went to university, I studied, um, I became a, an engineer. I did a lot of um, traveling um, and yeah, my life was mapped out, you know, staying in, in industry and working and that's as far as I looked at anything. Anything to do with, with religion or spirituality to me for, for most of my life was, was, it just wasn't on my radar. It was something that didn't interest me. I, I believed in science and maths and logic and these weird and wonderful esoteric things of life just, just, just didn't resonate with me. Um, so my kind of switching point, the moment that I, I started to look into this was probably around about 20, 25 years ago. Um, starting with yoga, I, uh, I, I started doing some yoga and found it to be uh, energizing and relaxing, which was something I've not come across. And from the yoga that led on to meditation, which again I found a, 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 to be a wonderful sensation, or a wonderful thing to do, a, a different feeling. And then the meditation led on to, to Reiki uh, and then going to spiritual fairs and mind, body and soul events and kind of the, the, the curious person inside me, the intellectual, wanted to discover as much as I could. And so I deep dyed everything and read loads of books and went on numerous courses. Um, but most of them didn't really resonate with me. And, but it wasn't until I went on a, a weekend shamanic taster course in London um, that I finally came across shamanism and realised, I think, this was going to be something I wanted to go much further into. Um, at the time, I was, I was still working in industry, and that was taking me around the world. Um, and I remember vividly being in Brazil, working in a, in a factory, and coming out at, at, at lunch break into this, the tropical grounds that were outside the factory with um, beautiful big trees and, and this lush green grass. And you could see leafcutter ants that actually made paths through the grass. And I stood and just sat there watching them and then looked back to this noisy, dirty factory and I thought, you know what, my, my heart isn't in this. I need to follow this natural shamanic thing that was happening to me and see where that led. 
And I came back to the UK and just, just Googled shamanic teachers in, in the UK. And there was one name that popped up and I went to see her. And that's when I started my kind of two, three year training on, on the medicine wheel. So when you speak about it now, it sounds like a kind of a natural, you know, sometimes when we're looking back on our life, it sounded like, oh, yeah, that was very natural to happen. I went from yoga to meditation to being a shamanic practitioner. But I can imagine that when you first started to do yoga, and if we're now going back 20 years and we're not in the modern times where yoga has become something very mainstream, which is a good thing, it's widely much more accepted that I I can imagine when you started doing yoga and you were working as an engineer and um, there's no judgment on being an engineer, it's just a mindset that most people are in. Did you had to overcome any obstacles? How did it feel to suddenly kind of slowly practicing and awakening to a different path that you were choosing and then still remaining in the industry and to have to do with kind of, let's call them kind of normal people? Was there any tension? Was there any obstacles? How did you manage to find that kind of, of balance, especially maybe also inside of yourself? As we know, when we practice yoga and meditation, there's different perspectives suddenly coming up. They're totally changing our mindset. So how, I can't imagine that it was like a smooth progress and it was all just going very smoothly for you. So can you share a little bit about that? It, in retrospect, it, it is one of those things that I think I was I was meant to do and move into um, and since since learning a lot of tools and techniques I've used them to go back through my life and I get lots of aha moments think oh I see that's that's why I did that or why that's why that happened and it, it fits into my shamanic path now but at the time uh, many years ago I, I didn't realize it it was just something that was happening at the time um, but for sure um, there was a, a lot of physical changes that went on, um, an internal, let's call it a struggle really, perhaps between the mind and the body and the soul to a degree. And that was pulling me away from the engineering and the mainstream. Um, I, I developed tinnitus, the, the ringing in, in the ears, um, digestive problems. And, and in the end, that, that forced me into leaving the job I was in. And, you know, I, for most of the time, I wanted to stay because it was a good income, it was a steady income, and to, to leave and go follow this spiritual path just seemed so so alien and so so difficult and contrary, you know, to to what the mainstream would say and you know friends and family, although they were supportive and never said you you know you're stupid, it was you could feel that you know why are you doing this? This is You've got a good job, you know, why, why, why go off down this path? Surely you realise it's all just a load of weird and weird bunkum and, you know, and just not true. Um, but the more I've gone through it and the more I've, I've worked with it, I realise that there is a, a far deeper truth that um, unfortunately a lot of people miss, you know, when you, when you wake, when you're just working in the mainstream. Um, but that's fine, that's each, each to their own. So it sounded like a little bit of when they say with the shaman, there could be a calling, of course, or when you're born into that kind of lineage and then you, you know, you just inherited kind of shamanic practice. And 
But I do believe that a spiritual calling or an awakening can happen at any age. And it probably happens to anybody who are stuck in a normal life and you suddenly discover another truth and you try to move from that one area to the other area. It's quite a challenging thing to do no matter how old you are. So I do believe, and it's often been said that if you want to become a shamanic practitioner, it's first of all the most challenging path. I'm not degrading now Reiki healing because it's also Reiki, it's working on yourself, healing on yourself. But also what you just told me confirmed again that you said I suddenly, even I was doing good things, like I was doing meditation, I was doing the yoga and still I then discovered that I had tinnitus and digestive issues which really pushed you out of your old life and you had to focus totally on your recovery or on healing yourself. So that really sounds like these wounded healer journey or this calling of, of really to maybe a higher power which you had to trust. And I can imagine a lot of people when they say they just got interested for some reason in spirituality and that they're not receiving the support from family and friends around them. So that can also be a phase of isolation and alienation. Did you also experience something like this, even if it's more internally and you did not separate from your family and withdrew, but you could feel that there was a gap between the world they were living in and the world that you wanted to live in? Um, I think there's certainly conflict, but I think that was that was within me. You know, conflict coming from my background and my upbringing compared to this new spiritual path, which was totally alien to me and, and anything I'd come across before. The, the only things I'd ever come across sort of in my first 20, 20, 20 odd years was, was the church and religion, which I had no connection to or affinity to because we weren't a particularly religious family. Um, and so it was all, yeah, just alien to me. And I kept, I think, most of it to myself, most of the path to myself. I only shared things with those that I came across who were also on a, a spiritual path. I didn't, I didn't uh, feel the need to share it with, with any of my family. Um, they knew vaguely what I was doing, and it was a bit different. Um, and they were supportive. And, uh, but, it, yeah, I knew there was a gap there, and... I did test the water a few times and you, when you get sort of just a blank stare or nothing back, you realise it's, it's um, I don't need to explain myself, is how I thought. And uh, uh, because I didn't know where I was going, what was, where it was going to lead, I was, I was okay keeping it to myself. Um, but yes, that may have, may not have helped me uh, just to deal with some of the issues that did come up. In the end, you're dealing with them yourself. But I was lucky enough that my progress um, was good. I was learning things. I had tools and techniques which I could use just to work on myself and help release some of the, some of these things and, and work with the the um, the conflict just to to try and find balance. It's very interesting when you said that you've been growing up like. We all do, I guess, now in the modern times in a society where even with you, that may be religion or your parents maybe were still going to church. And so we grew up with that kind of that was the only touch we had of spirituality. 
And it's very interesting if we look back because even the church promotes faith healing. So there is a form of this unknown, that kind of spirituality. If, if they then believe in God or asking the universe to send um, healing via prayers to another person. So there is kind of healing embedded in, in the Catholic religion. But when we look into our everyday lives or when we go into church and we're taking part in a service, we don't really experience this kind of, there's no, anytime I ever went to church, there was no group healing till the moment when I joined uh, the spiritualist movement where then I went to spiritualist services and then healing was part of the service in itself apart from mediumship demonstration. So I find it very interesting that even though we're growing up with that part of religion and they do have healing in embedded in somewhere or have been asked to, if you've got a problem, speak to God, do prayer, go to church, that we still experience this backlash then maybe from people around us or that we still feel we can't really express our interest in spirituality even we grow up with kind of our form of spirituality. So that's very interesting that we still feel in our modern times that we're kind of open-minded, but not that open-minded. Yeah, everything that goes beyond the doctrine that we've been taught or everything that goes beyond that we don't understand um, is already kind of rejected by people because they fear you're going to bring something in that could um, change their minds or open them up. So it's not... So would you think... Um, or what I felt as well, that part of becoming a shamanic practitioner is definitely something, a journey that you do yourself. And I didn't experience that so much when I did my Reiki degrees. Um, it's a little bit softer, it's more accepted, it's more accessible to people. Um, but with the shamanic, I feel it's going deeper. Because you said with yoga meditation, you've already been aware. And then through the shamanic training, you really started working on yourself and releasing all these limited beliefs. So how can we understand what kind of limited beliefs are you talking about? What did you, what did, were you asked to let go of? What had you take away out of the way to move forward? Can you share that a little bit? Um, I think the big ones are the, 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 cultural identifications, how you're brought up. And as soon as you talk about upbringing, you've got to say, you know, mother and father, the influence of your mother and father and family are, are paramount. And then the schooling and then the culture you're brought up in, you know, the country where you grow up. Um, and yes, if, you, if you're brought up with a religion or a faith, that has a major influence on you. Um, and it felt as though when I began this journey consciously, um, that I had a kind of a clean slate. I didn't have anything major in my background. There was a few things I had to work on. Um, and no family's perfect. But, you know, my parents did the best they could. I know that. And there was a lot of love. Uh, and they loved me dearly and I loved them. Um, but there was still... Um, it. it I needed to know more, that I knew there was something more. And, and the, the way it's portrayed, you know, God with the church, it never quite resonated. I didn't get it. Um, but I love, I, to this day, I love going into churches and cathedrals. They're wonderful places, wonderful spaces. Uh, the energy there, knowing, knowing that so many people have gone in for celebration or even, you know, gone in for um, 
just meditation or being quiet or even in grief. Um, there's so much energy and emotion in these places, the community hubs and have been for, for centuries, um, powerful places um, created by man. Um, but I also now know on my path and the shamanic path that there are powerful places in nature. And to me, my shamanic path is, is encompassing nature uh, and is a, a, a nature spirit form of spirituality um, rather than traditional shamanism, which is why I, I tend, you know, I, I'm not pulling away from being a shaman or, or being uh, classing myself as a shaman. I'm, I'm drawing myself more towards whatever you will call nature-based spirituality. I like when you said that you still go into churches and you're not totally neglecting or pushing this side away and that you still get something out of, um, not necessarily your upbringing, but as you said, it's a cultural con context that we grew up in Europe, I guess, and that people go to church or when the grave, the, um, the funerals or weddings that are taking place um, in churches and as a modern shamanic practitioner you're not saying oh god you know here I can't go into church and I'm going to be set on fire but you, you really say I'm integrating kind of I can accept and um, appreciate how I grew up or the culture that I'm living in at the same time you're allowing yourself to be truly yourself and practice and saying well I'm still going into nature and I know there are places where I can draw energy and they're helping me um to perform the healing sessions that you do. So I understand then the kind of lineage that you follow as a shamanic practitioner because there's different lineages out there. Um, different teachers have different interests, different point of views or um, emphasize certain shamanic teachings. So the one that you've learned or the one that you follow or you've been trained with, because before you said you also developed your kind of own style. Um, can you talk a little bit about more about this? What kind of lineage of shamanism? What does highlight? What does stand out in that lineage? What you learned? What is the, the, the basic points? Um, well, mine, mine comes, as I say, I, I, I found a teacher in, in Essex in, in England. Her name's Sky Hummingbird. And she, she was taught um, with the, the Cairo people in Peru, in the, the Peruvian highlands. Um, and she's also worked with, with North American uh, teachers as well. And so she incorporated um, some North American uh, shamanic works um, with the Peruvian Cairo teachings, which are based around the, the directions like many of the shamanic paths or many of the medicine wheels, as, as, as they're known, um, around the north, south, east and west directions, um, but incorporating the, the Peruvian animal archetypes of hummingbird, jaguar, eagle, uh, and, um, and serpent. And although, you know, studying this or working with this in, in, in England, you know, we don't have many jaguars. Um, there are a few snakes. There's, there's no eagles. There's a few buzzards. Um, um, and I'm not seeing a hummingbird in England. 
Um, and so a lot of people more traditionally would say, you know, you need to study, you know, the, the medicine wheel of your own land. And of course, there's, there are Celtic medicine wheels and Scandinavian and there's, there's sort of indigenous and shamanic teachings around the globe. And I think, yeah, I understand why people say you should be, you should work with the medicine of your own land. I get that. Um, but I think the world has opened up so much and I've been traveling since you know, since teenage years, I've been abroad and travelled a lot of the, the globe. And I think the world is now open and you can choose and you can go online and you can meet people and you can work from, you can go to foreign countries and, and work with the, the energies of, of, of different lands and incorporate them into your own practice. As long as you're respectful, as long as you learn the tools and techniques um, as they were taught to you, and so you can pass them on in, in a pure way. There's no reason why you, can adapt, you can't adapt them for yourself and, and, and develop your own, because I think at the core of it, shamanism and nature-based spirituality is flexible. It's meant to be flexible. It's there to be used for the good of yourself, to help others and to help the planet and, and all the animals that, that, that live on it. Um, we can't be stuck in rigid framework of this is how it is and this is how it should be because then you do end up rather like a lot of the religion the mainstream religions but that have become you know certain framework and this is how you have to look and this is what you have to do and these are the words you have to say uh, and these are all parts of the mind and the ego and in general it's it's the male ego over the years that have decided what the rules are um, and I think that's that time's over now. We need the balance of the, the male and the female and the, the, the flexibility to be able to use whatever tools and techniques we're given in a respectful way for the benefit of all. Yeah, I like that. Also to pointing out that maybe, you know, shamanism is thousands of years old and of course over the time it has changed, the world has changed, so we need to stay flexible and adapt to what we need right now. And I can imagine that even there are people born into in these old tribes and they might not feel the calling to become a shaman. So, and then at the same time, am I gonna live in a country where I'm not really resonating for whatever reason with the culture or with the land? And, you know, if we, that would be another podcast, I guess, about reincarnation. Um, and as you said, also the world has opened up, so I'm able now to visit places that weren't accessible to people hundreds of years ago. And then, do you believe that it makes then the modern shamanic practitioner so powerful because we're going in resonance? Yeah, so if I resonate with the Native Americans, with their culture, and I'm not going into that whole ego trip and analyzing why, and but I just follow like you did your calling that you said, I just felt it inside of myself, my soul was telling me, this is my path. And it, and, and then you just stayed open to experience whatever would come your way and you just practiced this. Does it resonate or does it not? And this is how then you, you kind of integrated um, into your work, which would also lead me to the question, why do you think is um, shamanism so much needed in our modern world? And what can we bring as practitioners? What can we bring to the table, to other people, to the world, to the land? What, what can we do and why should we be doing that? Well, I mean, it goes without question, really, the state of the planet and 
the natural world at the moment, you know, the upheaval that's going through, the, the decimation, the, the species extinction. I mean, it's, it's, it's shocking and it can be overwhelming for many people that are connected to the land and have seen it deteriorate. And, you know, if you work with Mother Earth and, and the energies and spirits there, it's, it's, it's a difficult time. And so we need people that are looking to... to to improve the situation and you've got to start with yourself and so you know, any any training you do spiritually will be always looking at yourself and your past and trying to break break down any issues and barriers and heal traumas so therefore you can be the end up being the best version of you or the the version of you you were meant to be that can go out into the world and, and help and help other people um, directly or indirectly and or, help the land um, again directly or indirectly however you're called to do it and but certainly finding what resonates with you is important and trust in your own judgment once you've cleared away a lot of the the influences that you've you've been indoctrinated with um, that's the best way of judging no one knows you better than yourself and whatever course you go on whatever book you read whatever somebody says to you, you know if that feels right or it doesn't. And maybe one day it doesn't feel right, and a week later, a year later, 10 years later, you come across it again and go, oh, now it feels right. It just, it just means at the time you weren't ready for it, um, but now you are. Um, but you have to trust what you feel and being connection to your own feelings um, and not just um, put your faith in somebody else or in somebody that's meant to be uh, powerful or knowledgeable or wise. You have to trust your own intuition and your own gut feelings and work with the tools and techniques that you've been given if you're on a path uh, that you trust and are happy to work with and resonate with yourself. So is it that you're trying to say that if people, you know, they're, they're more aware maybe of their past traumas or the limited belief systems, and if we would all these kind of limitations, if we would make them aware, then we could actually become a different person who would treat the planet differently or would act in a different way, and that then on a global scale could lead to changing the world, because skeptics would say, what do you do as a shaman? What can you do? for climate change yeah it sounds so weird if someone's thinking climate change is such a like a, i'm gonna put it now into a material problem yeah a problem that we experience um, that's happening so how can a shaman who works very spiritually and even connected with the land on a very practical level how can we do something about climate change how could we change anything so i think a lot of skeptics would not understand they might gonna get the I'm going to call it now the psychotherapy part of it. Yeah, to say we need to work on ourselves because if we've been the victim of certain things and we experience trauma or we think and we negative, we're going to pass this on to whatever, our children, our family, the place where we work in. And so we're creating more negativity out of this, not being aware of what's going on with ourselves. But how can, when you say connecting with the land, how, how do you connect with the land? What, what does it give you and why should I be doing that? Well, I think any, even just one small step in the right direction is 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 worthwhile. Um, we can't just 
hide ourselves from it now and, and, and continue uh, in the same fashion. You have to make a choice and an effort to do what's right. And people know what's right and because, as I say, you, know, you feel it inside. And that's why you have to clear yourself and work on yourself so you don't build up these barriers where you can hide all these negative things away and say, oh it's, oh, it's okay to leave this rubbish here because I saw somebody else do it. Well, you're defaulting to another person. You need to take responsibility. So it's the shamanic path is taking responsibility for yourself and your own actions and your own thoughts as well. And I'm not perfect and no shaman or shamanic practitioner is. And everyone, we all get angry, upset, uh, spiteful. Um, you know, I, I can, road rage is not a problem for me, I must admit. I'm trying to get better with it, but... You know, when somebody's two foot away from you, driving at 60 miles an hour, it's difficult not to get a bit wound up by it. Um, but I've also learned now, instead of trying to compete with that or get very angry with it, I just pull over and let them pass and then it's gone. And so I, I work with, you know, letting things go, which is, which is massive for many people. Why should we let things go? Especially in the modern world when we're bombarded with so many things that perhaps we shouldn't be letting go. So many things are wrong and this person's wrong or this is wrong or you shouldn't be doing that or you should be doing this. So you've got to let things go and reconnect to the earth and go out in nature and feel the beauty and the wonder of it and watch the plants grow and grow your own food and, and, and try and eat as healthily as possible and look at the packaging and look where your food's coming from and the traceability of it and where your water's from and um, all the things that are out there that, that people are well, well aware of, um, the material things, but try and feel it as well in, uh, psychologically and feel that connection and, and you know, enjoy drinking a glass of fresh water and feel it almost cleansing you and, and working with you and being out in the wind and let it blow through you or connect with a tree and feel the life force in it or just on the beach and the sound of the waves and the power of the thunderstorm and just all these wonderful elemental forces out in nature that, are, that we're, we've come from and we're part of and rekindle that connection I think and once you find that you realise you don't want to be constantly eating fast food or junk food or staring at a screen all the time or losing your mind in alcohol or other drugs. Um, you realise that they're not freeing you, they're, 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 they're um, keeping you imprisoned. Yeah, that's a really good take on shamanism as you described it very powerful even, I know, how that feels and I, I do believe myself like you that a lot of modern problems come from the disconnection from the land yeah when we even look back 80 years where my grandmother definitely had a garden and most of the food came out of their own garden that they grew with their own hands so there was much more first of all the connection of the produce that they were eating now that's been taken away from us and I as much as I like the modern living I like going to the supermarket and I like you know, sometimes even a fast food because you don't have the time. But 
if we look at on a bigger picture that all this fast pace had really led to an increase of mental health, an increase of cancer, an increase of all these things that we have created, thinking that we're going to create a better life for us and the next generations, the invention of technology, and it has changed the world forever. But we, I think we've forgotten that we're still living organisms. So when was the last time when you went out and looked at the sunset or um, listened to the waves? Or when did you really experience a thunderstorm, as you said, in all its power? So deep down in our DNA, I think it's still ingrained. Um, our ancestors have been doing these things that were connected to the natural cycles, which we very much work in astro-shamanism, where we work in with astrology and natural cycles and the seasons. So very important part of returning to nature and living in harmony um, for better health, as you said, but not only the health for you, but also health for future um, generations and taking responsibility on how we do things and becoming aware of what we actually lack in. So you also spoke a lot about of the tools you use and shamanic tools. And I think a lot of our listeners might gonna imagine now the classical tools kind of things. So I know that you wrote a book not so long ago, and I would like to talk a little bit more about your book because I found it very intriguing, very interesting, a good take on how shamanism can be brought into the modern world and how people can more easily empower and connect with things. And I also know there's a lot of practical exercises in there that people can do. So tell us a little bit more about what you mean about tools and tell us a little bit more about your book. What's the name about it? Why have you written it and what's in it? Um, yeah, well, there's, there's various tools that you can use in, in shamanic uh, world um, and yeah my book's called shamanic engineering uh, I wrote it because I, I wanted it's kind of a, a linkage between let's call it the mainstream for people who have very little in the way of or, or believe that they're, they're not particularly spiritual um, it's, it's a linkage for them to to shamanic path and different ways of, of looking uh, at the natural world and and healing modalities that, that, that would perhaps make a bit more sense rather than it being a particularly shamanic spiritual book there is it's an introduction to contemporary shamanism but there's also a lot of other tools and techniques and some of my ideas as to um, why they work and, and why we should be looking at, at rekindling this connection um, the big one really is just going out into nature and being with nature and, and feeling at it and looking at it, not just going for a walk, chatting to your friends or listening to a, a podcast or music, going out and being in nature and stopping, not just going from A to B and doing a loop to get back because you've only got half an hour. Uh, go out and just stop and feel and see, see what you see and hear what you hear and allow sort of nature to come to you. Um, even revisit the same places and go and and so you know the land gets to know you and you get to know the land and if you can go to a certain place over the seasons you see how it changes and you build up a, a connection to it um, and for me some of the the best tools I use are 
are found in nature. For example, a simple example is if, if there's something you're working on, an issue, a trauma, let's say, something you want to get rid of, have the intention to let go of it and go out into nature. And you'll come across an object. Nature will present you an object which can represent that trauma. For example, a, a, a rotten piece of wood or a, a gnarled stone, or an ugly looking stone. So you'll come across something, um, a rotten piece of fruit, for example, and something that you can connect to this trauma or this issue you've got. Pick up that object and then work with it and kind of tap it on your body and use it to pull out the trauma, the negativity, the thoughts, the bad issues, even a physical, if you've got something physically wrong, work with it on that area and visualise pulling out the bad, the negative energy and blow into it, blow into that object. Imagine the trauma or what you've gone through, what you're trying to let go and blow it all, blow all that negativity into this object. And again, pull it on yourself, pour it over yourself. Imagine this, this blackness and darkness coming out into this object. And when you feel you've done that, and that you, may, you may be releasing, you may be crying or, or sobbing at some points, or there could be tears or deeper emotions, again, blow these into the object. When you feel you've got everything out that you can into this object, just throw it away in nature. Throw it away somewhere where it's not going to be found, um, into a deep into a bush, into the sea, into a river. Don't throw it at someone or into a, a neighbour's garden because then you'll, that'll come back to you <laughs> tenfold. But get rid of it into nature. Nature will take care of it, take it away from you. And just visualise that issue being taken away and the healing coming into you um, from nature. Breathe that back in, a, 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 a beautiful energy, a, a light, a rainbow, a, a sunset. Uh, and that's just a real simple tool or technique you're using an object in nature you, you don't need any training for that nothing special but you're just spending time in nature and working with it um, and then uh, also the major ones in shamanism are, are the use of the drum and the rattle to to take you into a, a trance-like state but also for me um, it's 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 more about just something to occupy the side of my brain that wants some stimulus and so using a rattle or a drum just just calms me down puts me into a meditative state and once you're in that state you can you can go on what's called journeys to the to the lower world or the upper world and connect with 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 animal spirits or spirit guides and get answers to to issues or, or get insight uh, and you don't need a drum or rattle to do them. You can get these, these drumming or rattling CDs online. Um, so that, that's a simple thing that you can do, again, without any particular training. Uh, I think there are guided meditations as well online, which, which you can use. And, but you need to take time to prepare and, 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 and be in a comfortable space to, to do these things. And you, it's good to have an intention uh, as well, they're not, they're not something you can just do on the bus or driving along. You need to create the space to work shamanically. Um, very similar to perhaps anything spiritual. You need to, you need to have the intention. OK. 
Okay, thank you for this um, exercise. It sounds really empowering. And as you said, it's very simple that everybody can do it. We don't need to have um, five years of shamanic training as long as we hold the intention and we also do open up to the possibility that this is possible because I can imagine for someone who's hearing these kind of things, they sound a little bit like weird if you've never done that before. And this is where we're coming back to these limited belief systems that we using practices that go against our normal thinking. How is this possible? And I guess people can only find out by trying it out and being open-minded. We can tell them a lot of things. It's up to them um, to try it out. And I also, your book is full of really good exercises that are easy for people to do. So they, when they're reading your book, they're more confident in their own practice without um, the necessary um training that you have gone through can you let us know where people can get your book where we can find it yeah it's on it's on amazon um, uh, at the moment um, it's also with ingram spark but i'm not sure how that gets distributed uh, but yeah for sure on amazon uh, shamanic engineering uh, and there's a link actually on on my website which is shamanic help all one word org um, which has a bit more about me but yes you're right in the book there's a lot more exercises which deal with you know working in darkness um, even creating your own memorial service if you've lost someone or somebody's in spirit and you feel there's still some grief there that you haven't worked with you, you can do a service yourself you don't need to go to a priest or a shaman or or, or anyone spiritual you can do all these things yourself to help help yourself work through it um, and there's lots of other exercises in there which which are, again people can, can can work with them just by themselves so the shamanic path also with like reiki when we're learning to heal ourselves we also understand the shamanic path it's about empowering oneself and learning to not only to take self-responsibility but also to come to the point where of course, you are your own healer, but you can also conduct certain spiritual rituals yourself where you normally maybe thought that we need a spiritual authority. So this way you're going to become your own guru. You become your own spiritual teacher and you're teaching also people how they can directly connect with nature. So there's no middleman needed. There's a direct broadcast um, from nature, from spirit into that person. And this is how I understand is for you also your shamanic path. Do you do any one-to-one -one sessions? Um, and how can people, if they were interested, something like this, do you do distant healing? Do you do in person? How can people, if they say, I really resonate with Trevor, I wonder if he does one-to-one -one session because I need a little bit of help with the problem I'm facing, I'm not confident enough to do it all by myself. And also people, of course, they want a experienced shamanic practitioner because the more you practice, the more you're on the path, the more powerful you become. So obviously someone just starting out, they can do it, but they're not as powerful as you who has done all the work and the training for years and you also um, could help people. Yeah, I, I, I offer one-to-ones or, or distant healing um, or also just, you know, Zoom or telephone consultations um, if people just want to chat. Uh, at the moment, I don't, I don't have a base that I'm working from. Um, 
So the one-to-one -one would be dependent where, where you're living. Um, but distant healing, distant healing is, is not a problem. You can be anywhere. Um, and that works pretty well. The feedback I've had has been good. Um, because we're working energetically, it, it doesn't matter where in the world you are, there's going to be a connection there. Uh, um, and I think slowly the scientific world are, are, are realising that the distance isn't an issue and it's part of quantum, the quantum realm. Um, they're, they're slowly getting results that are showing that um, things can happen in simultaneously in two different places um, that are miles and miles apart. And so I think that's perhaps on the level where some of the spiritual healing works. Maybe in 500 years, science will be able to explain it, but at the moment it can't. Um, so you just have to trust. Uh, but when intention's there, um, it's, it's just as powerful as, as, as being one-to-one. -one. But people like to, 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 to meet the person sometimes. So if one-to-one's available, then yeah, not a problem. Okay. And people can contact you via your website on shamanichelp.org. Yep. Your book is called Shamanic Engineering by Trevor Cohen. You can buy this on Amazon and in um, Ingram Spark. Also distributes to Waterstones, Blackwells, um, Barnes and Noble or Noble and Barnes. I don't even know which way you're going to spell that. So once you put um, Shamanic Engineering into Google, Trevor's book should be popping up um, from one of these outlets. Is there also is the book only paperback or do you have an ebook version as well at the moment you're working yeah, on? Yeah, there's that? a well there's a Kindle version. Okay, that's great because yeah. a lot of Kindle readers are out there now. Okay, that was a really very interesting interview. Is there anything else that you would like to say at the end that you want to give the people on the way who are into shamanic practice who are looking into more healing or maybe even struggle with certain things anything of wisdom or wise words um well don't give up is the main one really and and trust trust your 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 own abilities if if you if you're listening to this you're you're on the path already let's face it um and You've probably got enough tools and techniques in your tool bag, as it were, your spiritual tool bag, to 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 do a lot of the work yourself anyway. Um, but it's always good to learn more and know more um, and keep working with it. Um, but yeah, get out, get out into nature is the big one, and just just feel and, and work with work with nature and what you come across. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important of get out and do something. Get out of your head, get into your body, get out into nature. So if anybody is interested, you can always message us through the podcast side, the website. If you want to have more information and you're not able to find about Trevor, just contact me and I'm happy to forward them um, to you. Thank you very much, Trevor, to making the time to visit and let us record this podcast and share a little bit more about your shamanic journey and how much it is needed in our modern times. I found it very insightful. Even I did learn something <laughs> today. And I wish you all the best. Lovely. Thank you, Julie. Thank you.